0: Welcome to Share Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on August 14th, 2022, on the basis of Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 53. A question that I get asked fairly often, maybe you have even asked me this question before, is how do you pick... What we're reading on Sunday morning for lessons or or how do you pick what is being preached on each week? Well, contrary to what you may believe, I don't just close my eyes, open the Bible, point to something and and that's what we do. And I hope you're relieved about that. I hope you're relieved that there's a little bit more thought that goes into it than that. Our church actually, uh, pretty regularly, I would say more times than not, follows a lectionary. And a lectionary, if you haven't heard that, that term before, is just a, a plan of Bible readings that are assigned to each Sunday of the church year. So we follow one that's on a three-year cycle, meaning that these selection, this selection of readings, the, the Old Testament reading, the Epistle reading, the Gospel, the Psalm, th- this selection of readings you won't hear again for another three years, at least not altogether like this. And that's to, to do a few things, that, that serves a, a few different purposes. It's a good thing because the theme of each Sunday matches up. It lines up with God's Word. It's a good thing because it ensures that you as a congregation hear the whole counsel of God, meaning you hear all of the teachings of the Bible. And it protects you as hearers, and it guides me as a preacher so that you're not just hearing what's easy to talk about and preach about, It it makes sure that that you hear all of the teachings of God's Word, not just the ones that that pastor finds interesting, but you hear even the teachings of God's Word that are more difficult, uh, the ones that that perhaps go against conventional earthly wisdom. This morning's text is a great example of why the lectionary can be a a useful and and beneficial tool because, to be honest, it's a tough section of Scripture. It's one of those that when it comes up as a reading, if if we were just to read it and and not explain it, we'd be leaving this building today thinking, what was going on with that gospel reading today? And so we're going to dig into it this morning. These are our words from Jesus from Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 49 to 53. Jesus says, I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo. And what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. This is the gospel of the Lord. So, first thing that we have to tackle. What, what is this fire that Jesus is talking about here? Uh, the, the, the metaphor of fire shows up several times in the Bible, and it's used to talk about different things. So I want to take you back just a few chapters in the book of Luke. You'll, you'll see a passage from Luke chapter 9 printed out there on, on page 10 of your bulletin. That's what we're referencing here. Uh, this brings us back to a time when Jesus was going through a Samaritan village. And this particular Samaritan village rejected Jesus. And his disciples were not too happy about this rejection, as you could imagine. So James and John, who were his disciples, they were, were called the, the sons of thunder. They were brothers. Uh, they, they look at Jesus with, with indignation. They say, do you want us to call down fire on these people? Essentially what, he's saying, what they're saying is, do you want us to call down judgment on these people? So what, what they're saying and what they're indicating with fire is fire could be synonymous with judgment. So is that what Jesus is saying here? I have come to bring fire to the earth, and I wish it were already kindled. It's part of it, but not all of it yet. Go to the next verse. Jesus says, but I have a baptism to undergo. Now, Now, some of you are thinking back to The time when Jesus was baptized, you remember the the scene, John the Baptist and Jesus in the Jordan River, and remember the the heavens were open and the Father's voice spoke from heaven and and the Holy Spirit descended on on Jesus like a dove. The whole trinity in one place, it was a beautiful thing. That already happened. So, So Jesus isn't talking about that baptism, so what baptism is Jesus talking about here? Again, I want to take you to a different part of Scripture, and again, it's going to involve the brothers, James and John, the sons of thunder, but this one's in Mark chapter 10. You'll see that verse in there as well for you. In this particular section, James and John come to Jesus, and they have a request for him. They say, hey, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, and when you sit on your throne, can we sit in the seat on the right and on the left of you, those positions of honor. Pretty bold ask, right? From from the disciples. And Jesus responds to them and he says, This can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? The cup that Jesus is about to drink, the baptism that he is about to be baptized with, is his suffering and death on the cross. He is about to drink this cup of wrath as the Bible calls it in other places. He is about to be baptized, immersed in pain and suffering to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what he says at the end of that story in Mark chapter 10, that he has come to give his life as a ransom for many. That time is coming near for Jesus in Luke 12. In Luke 12, he's kind of going around to different cities and villages and doing his almost farewell tour, so to speak. He's preaching one last time before he heads to Jerusalem, and you can tell that, that this is weighing heavy on Jesus. You, you can see it in his words. He says, And what constraint I am under until it is completed. This, this baptism. Until this baptism is completed, I'm under constraint. That word constraint could also mean distress. What distress Jesus was under until this, this baptism of suffering was completed. Now, we shouldn't take that, this as, as Jesus um, losing or wavering in his conviction to go to the cross, but we should see this for what it, what it really is. Jesus was truly human, just like you and I. And the thought of, of this baptism of suffering, of pain that laid ahead of him, it weighed heavy on Jesus. So as we're wrapping our head around these concepts, we're thinking, okay, what, what is this baptism? This baptism of suffering is really nothing more than the completion of Jesus' gospel work. You can say that that this baptism is synonymous. It's the same thing as the gospel. And that gives us an idea of what Jesus is talking about when he talks about this fire. This baptism, this gospel, will bring about this fire. In my experience, I'm guessing yours too, uh, fire can be both a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, so, some of you maybe think of, of uh, those beautiful nights in, in September when we've lost some of the humidity, it's, it's 50, degree, 50 some degrees or 60 some degrees at night and you're sitting outside and ha- having a campfire and, and lots of stars in the sky, it's, it's beautiful, right? Those are great memories uh, for your family, for, for, with your spouse, Or maybe you think of of those cold, wintry South Dakota evenings. We're not looking forward to those, but but maybe you think of those and you think of the glow of of a a fire in the fireplace that warms you and it's almost mesmerizing to look into those those flames. There's something entertaining and, and relaxing about having a fire. It can be a very beautiful thing. Fire can also serve other good purposes too, right? Fire purifies things. Uh, believe it or not, one of the greatest ways to prevent a forest fire is fire. It seems counterintuitive, but uh, the, the controlled fires of, of the, the underbrush of a forest floor, it, it helps prevent these big forest fires that, that go out of control. It, it gets rid of the, the underbrush that, that would sit there like tinder waiting for lightning to strike or something else to, to ignite it. Fire, it, it purifies Maybe uh, some of you got into the, the uh, it's, not, it's a fairly new show, 1883, that it came out not too long ago. It was a spinoff of Yellowstone, another very popular show. If you haven't seen it, no worries. Um, big surprise, it, it takes place in 1883, uh, and it covers a group of in- immigrants who are heading west. They're trying to go from Dallas to Oregon. And there's a, a specific scene in-, in here where they're thirsty, So they go down to the river, and they they get water, and they drink it, and a few scenes later, they're writhing in pain on the ground because that water had bacteria in it, right? What the people that watched these people writhing in pain learned was that you have to boil the water. You have to put that water over fire to get rid of the bacteria because this fire, it, it purifies. Fire can be a good thing, right? Fire purifies. Jesus came to to go through this baptism of suffering, to to finish his gospel work, to bring about this fire that purifies you. We maybe haven't thought of of that as a metaphor for the gospel before, uh, that the gospel is is like a fire that that purifies you, but it's as if Jesus went to the cross and burned away all of your sins on the cross because he was that that burnt offering for, for you you and I he burned away your sins that the perishable was burned away on the cross and what was left but the imperishable given to you. Now it, it's certainly true to say in this section that, that this baptism that we're talking about, this baptism of suffering, is not the same as the baptism that you have received. Not the same as this water baptism. But, but we need to make a connection here between the baptism of suffering that Jesus is going through and the baptism that we receive. There is a connection because the Apostle Paul says that when you were baptized, you were baptized into the death of Christ. This is what he says in, in Romans chapter 6. He says that when you were baptized, you were linked to Christ. You were connected to To the baptism of suffering that Christ went through. Meaning that you were buried with Christ in your baptism. You were purified of all of your sins with Christ in your baptism. And you were also connected to his resurrection so that when Jesus was raised, you too were raised. Through your baptism, you were connected to this gospel work, this baptism that Jesus was about to go through. And it's that baptism, that, that gospel that, that worked in your heart, this fire-like faith. This fire-like faith that burns in, in a healthy way. And when fire burns in a healthy way, it's a good thing. It grows and it spreads. As your faith grows and spreads through the, the word and through the sacrament, as we're receiving from God the blessings of his, and his gifts, as we're going to do this, this morning, it grows and it spreads as that faith bubbles over and and it spreads to the people around you in your life as as you tell them about Jesus, as you invite them to church, as you you live as a light in this world in your words and your actions. In the New Testament church, we could see historically a great example of of this. This gospel that was unleashed, what, what Jesus did on the cross, it spread and spread quickly. In fact, it probably spread quicker than it ever has in the history of the entire world. The Christian faith spread throughout uh, the, the whole world at that, at that time. This fire was ignited, and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. But not everybody feels that way. Fire can be a very good thing. But fire can also be a very destructive and devastating thing. If you talk to somebody or if you know somebody who's, who lost a house or, or lost possessions to a, a fire, it can be incredibly devastating and, and heartbreaking. This baptism of suffering that Jesus was about to go through, it would stoke a fire that would be beautiful for some, but for others it would go in a different direction. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, Do you think I, have come to bring, I came to bring peace to earth? No, I tell you, but division. The gospel will divide. That's not its purpose, but it will. For those who believe it, it is a nice warm fire on a cold wintry South Dakota evening. But for those who don't believe it, it will breed resentment, opposition, and anger. What we learn from God's word is you cannot be neutral to the gospel. You either believe it or you don't. And so in that way, we see that it immediately divides. It divides the world into believers and unbelievers. It divides the people in your life into believers and unbelievers. As passionate as you are for Jesus and for the gospel that Jesus came to to accomplish, there are people, maybe even people that are close to you in your life that you love, that you care for, that are just as passionate in their unbelief it burns like a fire inside of them against Jesus. You're starting to see how this gospel work that Jesus came to do produces a fire, a fire that could be good, a fire that could be bad. It's a hard truth. It's a hard truth that Jesus is speaking here because it often uh, touches us, uh, it touches us emotionally because this hits close to home for a lot of us. That There are people that, that you know, that you love, that you care for, that you are divided from in this sense. In fact, Jesus even says that, right? He says that families will even be divided over, the, over this gospel of Jesus. Three against two and two against three, father against son, mother against daughter, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, families turned against each other. And it, it, it's a vital truth for us to grasp. Hard truth, but but vital for us to grasp because if we don't grasp that truth, if instead we'd, we'd rather hold on to this nice-sounding thought that true peace and true harmony is able to be accomplished in this world, then we'll be read, led in some harmful directions. If instead we want to hold on to that nice thought that true peace and harmony... Will be, accomplished, will be able to be accomplished in this world, even though Jesus says that the world, the, the word divides, the gospel divides, then when you witness division and witness it often, you'll be led to major disappointment after major disappointment. It, you're, you will essentially be trying to live in a world that does not exist, which at, at best would be incredibly frustrating, and at worst would cause you to lose heart altogether, as that Hebrews passage laid out. If you are trying to live in a world that, that would, where true peace and true harmony would be able to be accomplished, even though Jesus says that the gospel will divide, then when you witness division and witness it often, you will compromise the gospel. You will compromise the gospel in order to achieve some sort of harmony with the people that reject the gospel. And in a sense, what you're trying to do there is you're trying to create a harmonious world that, according to Jesus, will not exist. Jesus wants you to be prepared when you witness division. He wants you to to live with a realistic view of this world, to live with eyes wide open. He doesn't want you to give up desiring peace and harmony, though. He wants you to desire it. He wants you to yearn for peace and harmony. But he wants you to know that that's not going to be found in this world, but it will be found in heaven. The angels weren't lying. The angels weren't lying on that Christmas day when they came to to earth and, and they came to the shepherds and said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. God did send Jesus to bring peace to earth but not the world peace that every beauty queen has wished for. He sent Jesus to earth to bring peace between God and man. Heavenly peace, eternal peace. And that's what he has given to you. You have that hope always. There will come a day where we will stand before Jesus and he will come to be our judge. He will come to bring the fire of, of judgment, and believers and unbelievers will be separated before him. But that hasn't happened yet. As of now, those lists have not yet been solidified. There are maybe people in, in your life, people that you love, people that you care for, that burn in the fire of unbelief against Jesus and against his gospel, but there is still time. From this section, we do learn a hard truth. We learn that yes, the gospel does divide, but we know from another part of scripture too, that that same gospel that divides is also the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And because we believe that and hold that to be true, then we know that that very same gospel that divides is the very same gospel that can turn a heart that burns with fire against Jesus into a heart that burns with fire for Jesus. So, we live with eyes wide open. We live with endurance, perseverance, and hope in the truth that God has proclaimed to us. That true peace and harmony is achievable, not here on earth, but we wait for it, hope for it, and long for it in heaven. And until then, we let the fire of the gospel burn in our hearts, and we pray. We pray that God would use us as his instruments to use that, that powerful gospel to turn a, a fire that burns against Jesus and someone else into a fire that burns for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the source of true wisdom and salvation. We thank you for imparting this difficult truth to us this morning. Please forgive us for the times we have compromised the gospel for the sake of the world. And forgive us for having unrealistic expectations about true peace in this world. We ask that you kindle in our hearts the fire of faith through your word and sacraments. Let the gospel be a beautiful and purifying fire in our hearts. Give us endurance as we face a world full of opposition and move our hearts to reach out to hostile souls who need to hear the goodness of the gospel. We pray all this in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. If you like this content and, and you enjoy listening to these sermons, could you do us a favor? Could you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on? That helps our podcast be seen and heard by more people more often so that more might hear about Jesus and his love. Thank you and God bless your week.